Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you happen to be listening to us. It's great why we're brought together by the internet. It is the last three guys to do a podcast. John Morgo, Leon Brown, Daniel Bolton, we're all here. And uh, also with us today is uh, the hardest working man in Atlanta Sports Radio, Sam Crenshaw. Sam, how are you doing today? Right, how you doing, fellas? Well, the last 48 hours have not been very good to us, uh, especially from a football perspective for this for the city of Atlanta. Three losses by three teams. But let's talk first about the Georgia State Panthers. A very disappointing loss for them at the hands of the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. 31-28. to The Cajuns came in ranked 19th in the nation. First time a top 20 team has visited Georgia State in their own building. And Sam, I'm looking at this game. I watched, watched kind of like the ends of it. Uh, especially the first quarter where I thought the Panthers were able to move the football very well. And I really wasn't sure what the offense was going to look like. You know, the first game that Dane Ellington's not under center, but with quad young uh, th- running the offense, they didn't look that bad. That offense was actually clicking in the early, in the early part. Yeah. I had a chance to get out to practice a couple of times and watch them. And I was uh, uh, surprised really that the quad round had won the starting job. Mike, the guy I was watching was Jabil Muhammad, uh, the young man from uh, from Vanderbilt right. who uh, had to sit out last year and would look good in practices running the scout team. I said, this guy has everything that moves. He can be going to lose defenders, and he's got a cannon for an arm. But the fact that Quad really worked, he really worked hard because he, when he was able to get on the field. And I haven't really had a chance to talk to him individually and see what he did during the time when everybody was kind of quarantined and Nobody could see, you know, players couldn't see each other. The coach couldn't see them. Apparently, he was somewhere just really doing some work uh, to get better. He plays with a lot more confidence. Runs better than, than I thought he would. I mean, it's 6'5". You know, those long legs, they going, and I'm like, Ooh, I don't want nobody in the line. So he's seeking linebacker to come through there and, and really, you know, and blast him. But, I mean, he ran effectively when he needed to. You know, Dan Ellington. But you could do enough, you know, to to, to to move the chains at times. So that was good to see. And you don't have enough experience around him. He's got a great, a veteran line. Uh, that's, a, that's a fantastic line that produced last year with Trey Barnett. And this year, they really to do a great job. Uh, had Dustin Coates running uh, yesterday and doing a great job there. Got experienced tight ends, the guys that helped move the chains. We saw Carter with a touchdown catch. And experienced wide receiver. He just has to guide things and be that quarterback who just progresses each and every week. So from that perspective, I, I thought it was really good. I just hate that, you know, you couldn't hold this Louisiana team down. Uh, they're, they're a tough team, too, and they showed you why. Now, they made some mistakes early on. Uh, they didn't get this. They kept them down on special teams because that was what the, the big thing that helped them last week at Iowa State, the kickoff return and the punt return. I think we wanted to make sure that that didn't happen yesterday. Right. Uh, but still, they, they found a way to come back and show you why. That, uh, all the wind went out of the stadium afterwards, and, it, and it, 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 all of it went out of me when it ended because uh, that team and App State have been a point the side of Georgia State. Still have yet to beat either one of those teams since joining the conference, and it looked like it was going to happen yesterday, but it, but it slips away. Um, so I'm feeling better about it. Um, the effort was there. If they have that effort each and every week, they're going to win more than they lose, obviously, I think. 
Um, but uh, you wanted to get that one the first one, and you wanted to get that win yesterday. Yes, and Sam, uh, getting back to Quad Brown's uh, performance, he threw for 190, just under 200 yards on 22 completions, rushed for 64 yards. Uh, 22 completions for about 200 yards. That's a you know little bit of that's just about under 10 yards, a, 10 yards of reception. So it seems like they were taking it slow with him, not really uh, going on the deep routes. You know, trying to keep the pat keep the passes like high percentage for him. Yeah, just trying to get some confidence. Right. Trying to build some confidence. Uh, he's back there. He didn't do, you know, a lot of passing. I mean, he threw one out there that was picked off and said, okay, he lost that one out there. He's some things, you look at him mechanically, you see some things that are not the best. He has this long windup. He drops that thing way back there, like like Byron Leftwich. Mm-hmm. To, you know, like, you know, I'm like, gosh, man, get, get that thing out of there. Um, but but you, you watch him, that's something I'm sure that, you know, you try to work with a quarterback with that as much as you can when that's part of the technique and how to do it. I mean, Tim Tebow had the same issue, but but you 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 know you want to see him try to work on those type things this coming week uh, as we play Charlotte. If we play Charlotte, right. and that's the question mark right now, uh, if there's a game next week or not, considering that practically their entire offensive line uh, is in quarantine right now. Right now, getting to the Panther defense. Uh, you know, holding the Cajuns to 31 points, even though they they couldn't really uh, stop them in that in that overtime. Still, there are some uh, pretty glimmers of hope. I think with that, you know, they did hold them to about 240, got 240 yards rushing, 279 yards passing. Um, it's, I mean, it's not as the defense seemed to be making to be making some strides from last season. You look on this defense, you see a lot of red shirt sophomore, red shirt freshmen. Uh, so these guys who've been out there and working on the program and now they're getting a chance to show show what they can do. Your veterans are, are at your corners. You know, Quay White and Jalen Jones. And, you know, uh, I talked with, uh, with with uh, with Coach Coach Fuqua, Nate Fuqua, the defensive coordinator last week, and he reminded me that that was uh, when they were freshmen that Jalen Jones and Quay White were thrown out there uh, against Louisiana Lafayette, and they had a woeful time. Mm-hmm. They just had a woeful day against them, and it was really the hope that they would come out and, uh, and and play a whole lot better and, and maybe get a win yesterday. They played great games. Uh, they got some experience at safety. Remember, Lazarus moved on. Uh, Chris Moore is transferred in from Virginia, you know, and, and as a grad, as a grad uh, transfer, you look for him to show some things up. Up front, uh, they played well. We got some pressure on the quarterback there. Harvard Willis uh, was back doing some things. That was been 91. Jeffrey Clark as a redshirt freshman. Were they going to give a shot at starting at one of the defensive end spots? He played very well yesterday and showed he's going to be a factor alongside uh, Dante Wilson and Keem Smith in the middle. Also, the guy started calling Mighty Mouse yesterday, right. Tavius Lane. Uh, he's, he's, he's like 5'8", you know, and <laughs> about 5'9", and, and, and weighs about a buck 75. But this guy throws it around the field. I mean, he comes out and he throws his body out there and made a great solo stop. And, uh, you know, he'll hit you with what he has. And so, you know, you, you saw a lot of guys who would come back. We saw Jordan Strong uh, backing up, up that linebacker, uh, number seven, who was one of the leaders on defense. He only played 17 snaps last year. We lost him in the Tennessee game. That's right. Uh, that was one of the bad marks about Tennessee. It was good to see him back out there yesterday. So you got a good mix of, of veteran defensive players, guys who've been back from some injuries, and obviously got guys like Trey John Stevens McQueen and, and, and guys like, uh, you know, who do that up front and look for them to do some things as well in the linebacker position. This defense is going to be, that was a great test. 
uh, that they went up against yesterday. Spent a little more time on the field in the second half than they did in the first half. Um, you know, the offense bought down and wasn't sustaining drives like they were in the first half. Uh, but if that, you know, correct those things and they get the breaks that they should, get the breathers that they should and stay fresh, I, I like what this Georgia State defense is able to do. Talking with Sam Crenshaw from the Georgia State Radio Network, among other uh, organizations here in the last few guys do a podcast. Uh, Daniel, do you have any questions for Sam about Georgia State's uh, performance yesterday? Yeah, you know what, Sam, I'm being honest with you, and you too, John and Leon, uh, I was looking at the highlights of this game because I missed, like, maybe the second half of it. Um, I'm impressed with, really, with the Sun Belt Conference in itself, with the team speed that I've seen these last couple of weeks, man. I mean, really, with the Georgia State-Louisiana game, what it came down to was who was going to finish first in this track meet. Right. Um, is Georgia State going to be able to keep this up? I, I think that with that team speed, I think that they could – Finished fairly well uh, in the Sun Belt Conference. What do you guys think? Well, I, I think so. I think that's a, and that's the thing that you've seen with this league so far the first couple of weeks of the season, and that is why this league never flinched as far as playing ball. Right. This right. Is a tremendous opportunity. The Southeastern Conference goes online this week, and they're going to be playing games. But the last couple of weeks, the nation got a good dose of the Sun Belt Conference and seeing the caliber of football is played in this league. Um, I, 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 you know, I applaud everyone there at the conference office in New Orleans for saying, hey, we're going to see this as an opportunity. You know, West Durham was calling the game yesterday. It was on ESPN. Uh, it was on ESPN two. Yeah, West Durham got it. And, ESPN two. And even more than that, Sam, CBS gave Appalachian State national—I mean, a national over-the-air uh, spotlight yesterday with their game at Marshall. Um, yeah. That, yeah. I, yeah. I can't remember. I mean, I don't. You, as much havoc as COVID has done, and you're right, Sam, the Sun Belt saw this as a terrific opportunity to uh, broaden themselves and really get them out to a national audience. And really what we what the conference needs to do is just kind of build on that and show really good, te- really good teams with really good performances, your Lafayettes, your App States, and for Georgia State to hang in with the Cajuns as much as they did that really does give um, Georgia State a national spotlight. And for once, it was a good one. Uh, and, you know, we're so used to basketball doing it, but now the football team's starting to, starting to come around. So really, it's, it's just the spotlight is on Georgia State. We just have to take advantage of it. And the only way to do that is through quality games like we saw yesterday. Yeah, you want the, you want the W, but in terms of what they put on the field, Sean Elliott and his crew, they really have nothing to be, to uh, hold their head about. Absolutely. Well, John, especially in light of the fact that the starting quarterback is in quarantine right now for Georgia State. I mean, if Georgia State well, would have the starting quarterback. Well, Quan, no, I think Brown, was Brown court? No, I think you're talking about no, Charlotte. No, no, you're talking I, about I, Charlotte, I, I Leon. He's talking, he's talking about uh, um Oh yeah, the other guy. Yeah, okay. Gatorade player. Oh, he's 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 back with the team. He's based back with the team. Oh yeah, Colasanto. Colasanto. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he had yeah he had COVID. He thought he had a heart condition, but they ruled they further tests revealed that he doesn't. So he's good to go. He's good to go. So he's he's back. He's on the sideline. He was basically giving signals. I mean, he missed about a, a month out of out of practice with the, with the rest of the team while they held him out to double check and make sure because uh, they thought that he would be lost for this season. Uh, but no, he's uh, he's healthy and he's there with the team and 
and, and we'll see. I mean, I think that's also something else that's given a lot of pressure to Cornelius Brown and why he's playing so well, because there's a lot of heat right behind him in both Jabil Muhammad, you know, and Lakeela Keller, sort of uh, arguably the highest ranked uh, recruit in the history of the program. My goodness, South Carolina's Gatorade Player of the Year. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big recruit in these, you know, obviously are looking to the future for Georgia State football. Absolutely. And I know there's no moral victories, especially in football, but to your point, the rest of the Sunbelt Conference making a good showing, I mean, this is just a good showing, Dudley. You're talking about a top 20 team in the nation, and Georgia State being a relatively new program, looked that team dead in the eye and actually threatened to win the game. Well, the- so, I don't think that's really, like, as far as to the program concerned. I mean, this, I guess I know there's no more victories in football, but I think this gives Georgia State a bit of time to know that, hey, we can look top 25, 18 ranked teams in the eye. We can play with anybody. And that's the thing I think we saw. I mean, that's another great start. We didn't get the win, but we start, we start the season by playing an impressive game. We started with something impressive last year. It was a win at the Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this time it was in Atlanta. It was in the stadium. There were some people who saw that football game who hadn't seen that stadium since the Braves played in it. So, I mean, think of the things that people got to see. And I got to also plug Georgia State Athletics and University of Four, uh, having everybody spaced out well. Uh, the crowd was spaced very well. They put the band in the opposite end of the stadium and spaced them out so that it was there. It was really, really nice uh Game day atmosphere, um, actually, and of course, you know, thanks to Hurricane Sally, we had early October weather right. yesterday. So it felt like football. It was great, and just this whole environment uh, was, was fantastic. I didn't get to be on the field as normally. I'm not among the folks to get tested, oh. so I was doing what I was normally doing as a sideline reporter from the front rows of stands. Okay, uh, but I'm watching some other television broadcasters, and I'm seeing some people doing that as well. Matter of fact, I'm seeing that on some of the NFL games today. The sideline reporters in the first row of the stands is, you know, the essential people. Uh, you know, right now, especially early on in the season, that's totally understandable. Um, as far as people who actually get to be on the field, I, that's one. That's the one thing that concerned me. Where I was going to stand for the game, I think if maybe I was going to stand in the back of the end zone, <laughs> off in a corner or something, it wouldn't have been a good place to really monitor things on the sideline and see who was going in and out who was being treated for injuries and things like that. But you know, that's thankfully I was able to move back and forth on that first row and keep up with some things. About how many fans would you estimate they let in for the or attended that game yesterday? I, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, they were, it was all scattered out. I, I haven't seen a figure anything um, that would say that. I've been looking for something, and I, I hate to guess and and be off with it mm-hmm. because of a place that big. I don't know how you really did figure those things out. I probably say maybe about five thousand. Okay. You know, somewhere that maybe, well, maybe under maybe four four. I mean, forty five hundred, five thousand. If you scattered everybody out, maybe uh, was was there. Um, but everybody had distance. Nobody was sitting on top of each other. And then you had the other levels. If you wanted to go up another level, right? Uh, they don't let people sit up there as well. Um, you know, wherever you, whatever your comfort level is, wherever you're comfortable doing it. But there was no buying tickets at the at the gate on game day. Everything's done in advance, uh, just like everything else. Anything else you get a ticket for? Even high school games these days, that's all uh, done online and concessions and everything. So. 
Uh, it was still a good environment. Hopefully people watch it at home. Maybe they want to come out uh, the next game when East Carolina comes to play. That should be a good ball game too. Hope, yeah, looking forward to it uh, in a couple of weeks when uh, East Carolina comes in. But, you know, going over to this, sh- to this game at Charlotte next week, uh, private, uh, how is Georgia State going to approach preparing for a game that they may not play? What kind of goes into uh, that? You know what? You, you go ahead and do what, what, what you've been doing. I mean, that, that's, that's all you can do. Um, you just get, get your tape, get your video, and, and see what you can from the game that they that they did did play. You do have something to study. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the whole thing is you listen and watch it. But you know what? It's it's kind of like everything else right now. And I'm, I, I know that uh, Coach Elliott last week on his conference call, I asked him a question. I said, Coach, what is the toughest thing? What is the toughest thing been about what you what you guys are doing right now and, and this season, what you've had to approach it? Because the toughest thing, you know, has been just the unpredictability and the uncertainty. Right. You know, I'm a football coach. I'm a control freak. Yes. I mean, you, know, I mean, you know, he's used to knowing things are going to happen. And just the uncertainty as, as to which players, he said, you know, we're going to test our players this week 72 hours before the game. We don't know what, what kind of news I might get late Friday night or early Saturday morning. I hope I don't get any bad news. But that's just it, just this air of uncertainty. Under the whole thing, and, and thankfully, you know, we are playing. Mm-hmm. Because you go back here a couple of months and we didn't think we would be here, folks. No, we didn't. You know, we, we didn't think we'd be playing games. But but it's happening. We having to be smart and, and go out and you know and and, and the, you know and, and realize and respect the virus, not fear it, you know, and, and still go out and enjoy ourselves and just be smart about it. Um, but I think that's what we saw yesterday and over Georgia Tech and places where people you know still went out to uh, to enjoy football. We had two great college football games in town yesterday with with some really good teams, um, with a couple of teams that are that are known and were, and were nationally ranked. And a couple of teams that are on the climb, you know, and, and finding their way. And so uh, I think it was a great opportunity for people to get out yesterday at either at Georgia State or Georgia Tech and enjoy uh, a college football game. Because right now we can't go inside for anything at Mercedes-Benz, mm-hmm. soccer, or, or the NFL. And boy, both of them are kind of, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, both of them leave a lot to be desired right now. Right, but you still will want the choice, choice and opportunity to go and and see it if you could. Uh, so I, I thought that Saturday was was really really neat day. The, well, the, really, the question for the Sun Belt is how do you build on this? Because last week, because last weekend is kind of an anomaly. All the ACC teams were playing non-conference games. The SEC ramps up next weekend, so that's going to take a lot of the publicity away from the Sun Belt. So how do so if you're the Sun Belt Conference, how do you think about trying to take advantage and build on what just transpired last weekend, this weekend? Well, you want to make sure when your team's, you know, you you uh, you you capitalize on all the games that you have, first of all, because you know now with the SEC coming on and the Big Ten's going to play and, Pat, and Pat is going to follow, you're going to get fewer of these opportunities right. on ESPNU and ESPN2. And, and to me, those are the games that are your showcase games now. Uh, as these other conferences come on and, and then get the, the big spots on those, and, and maybe by the you know by the middle of October, and most of the Sun Belt games will be back on you know ESPN Plus or ESPN Three. Right. So, uh, but, but right now you want to make pick you put your best foot forward, um, play your best ball, and um, you know get the and work your social. 
and also your, your possible recruits. Um, let them know, hey, if we play this kind of football here in the Sun Belt, you want to come and be a part of it. I look at the facilities, a place like Appalachian State. They lost yesterday. They did a, they did a ton of upgrades to their stadium, to Kid Brewer Stadium, mm-hmm. which already is pretty impressive. Um, the, the most impressive thing for me at the Kid Brewer Stadium at App State is in, the, is in the restroom in the press box. <laughs> the fixtures, the, the fixtures <laughs> are gold. They, they got gold fixtures. Nice. Man. Gold fixtures with oh, everything wow. on them. And I asked the guy, I said, man, y'all got gold, you know, thing in the bathroom. What you do? He said, well, when you beat Michigan, the booster money comes out of the sky. Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. So that's oh, yeah. That exactly. Y'all, y'all put gold fixtures into the train. Nice going. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, how about that? I hadn't I'd seen that anywhere before. Um, so I, I think just to showcase your, 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 your teams doing their best uh, on those games and make sure you're getting the word out to your, the people who are, you recruiting, and, and uh, I think that's been a great recruiting tool for all of the schools in the conference to uh, to play the way they have. Um, but my goodness, we have had Coastal Carolina that's been on playing a Friday night game. Mm-hmm. Uh, people get to see the teal turf. Uh, they go out to Kansas and beat the man in the hat yep. for the second straight year. Um, right. An impressive thing. It's very impressive. Talk with Sam Crenshaw here on the last few guys do a podcast. Well, let's leave Georgia State behind and let's talk about the source of Atlanta's true misery. Uh, that that Falcon game and uh, Daniel's been just itching, itching to uh, give his two cents worth about this one. Forty to thirty nine, uh, the Falcons lost. The really Dallas was only ahead for maybe the last play of the ball game before they finally uh, got the W. Um, Falcons, I guess, really what you can say is they had 39 points, they didn't turn the ball over, and they lost. First time in NFL history that has happened. Uh, I, a brief look on Falcons' Twitter, the, the sky has fallen in. Dan Quinn's hot seat is Death Valley hot. I mean, first of all, Sam, now that we've had about an hour or two to finally digest this, let's get the uh, – let's get the – initial reactions out of the way. Let's get the emotional reactions out of the way. Where do the Falcons go from here? And should, excuse me, should Dan Quinn be roaming the sidelines Sunday when the Bears come in? Wow. That's a tough question. I know a lot of people in town would say definitely not. Right. Um, I, I, I think we start with the special teams coach. My goodness. I mean, you know, yes. I mean, I mean, Buford High School would know the minute you kick it off that kick, jump on it. Yes. You, it, it has to roll 10 yards for the kicking team, not for you. Right. Uh, stand there and watch it. That was, that, that was mind-boggling. That's, uh, my goodness, that's going to play on everybody's highlight reel from coast to coast tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they thinking, you know? Um, so, to me, that was just, it made even worse. Bad enough that it got to the point where that was a thing that would make it, you know, all, all the roof toe to fall in. Um, this kind of things that they needed to do defensively. They didn't really take away Ezekiel Elliott, but they held him on 100 yards. And you figured if you're going to do that, then you're going to force that crash shot to have to beat you. And that's usually when you get a chance to, to do well with the Cowboys when you try to make make it uh, leave it up to him. It didn't work that way today. And uh, that's that's the, the tough thing. Did you want more yards out of Todd Gurley? Yeah, you want more yards out of Todd Gurley. You get what about 13 total, total rushing yards. Um, but uh, you know, you had a you had a, a big pass. The, the thing that keeps bugging me is the Russell Gage pass to Julio Jones. 
Uh, oh, goodness. That's, that, that's, you know, uh, I'm sure the guys are stared at the feeling on that plane flying back right now, uh, thinking about the difference that play would have made. And then an uncharacteristic drop there um, and just the excellent execution. to finish out to haul it in. Maybe that could make a difference. But just something, you know, about this team in the second half, uh, you know, and just you know this team is going to make adjustments. Are you ready to make adjustments? And we've seen, we've seen it before. I mean, of course, it goes back to the nightmare that Sunday night in Houston against the Patriots. You know that other team is going to come out and they're going to tweak some things. They're going to do some things differently in the second half. What do you do? Be ready. You know it's happening. You can't stay pat. You know they're not going to come out and do the same thing in the second half of the game. And you know that. And so that's the thing that, 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 that drives you up a tree, is that you're not prepared. You know, you're prepared for that. And we can put that on a lot of things. The fact that we didn't play preseason games. These are things that we didn't get to work on with special team or whatever you want to put it on. But the bottom line is, you know, you lost the game today. That's not just a wonderful game, but a game that you should have tucked away and put away Right after half, you should have come out and put this game away. It shouldn't have even been in question. Uh, and the fact that it gets away makes it even worse. And, you know, I'm hearing from a lot of people, a lot of buddies across the country, but, you know, y'all call the red ball truck yet? You yeah. I'll call, you know, you call Mayflower. <laughs> um, and, and so, and so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see. It's early in the season. What would that represent to the team to do that this early in the season? Um, I think that's the thing. A lot of people are calling. We'll call for it. You know, the game, I don't even want to listen to it right now because I know that's what, what everybody's calling it and saying. But if you do that at this stage of the season, what does it do for the remainder of the season? It's just two games in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the thing. I mean, um, that's, that, that's, that's, to me, that's where we're at with it. But something has to change. Uh, we can't go on doing this. You know, but we got off this kind of start last year. You know, this year is supposed to start differently. You just got to, you know, you know, something's got to be tweaked. I mean, and I don't know if it's the head coach that has to go, the head coach that has to go, who stands in there at this stage of things? You know, what what, 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 what do you do? You make big investments for this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people say you want the big running, big time running back, you invest the big time running back. Um, you know, we got a one-two combination with wide receiver, although Julio's a little ailing right now, too much of hamstring was bothering him toward the end of the game. Um, but you got to, that's, that's opportunities for others. Um, you know, that's why you have more than one or two guys on your roster to play that position. Um, so that's the thing you got to do. And obviously there's some things to diffuse the pass rush. Um, and that was something you think you're going to need to have with Prescott to try to keep him in place and, and, uh, and put some heat on it. There was some. Uh, we saw John Kaminsky play pretty good today. We, you know, he's one guy that we were wanting to see some of his athleticism and see him come out there and do some things. He had some good moments, you know, in, in the game today. Tech McKinley went out, and you want to see how he's going to be, you know, coming back up, you know, for next week. Um, you know, special teams, you know, we started, you know, our, our play schedule was four for four today, so we can't, we can't blame it on him. No. Uh, at, at the same time, you know, we got this bit of taste in our mouth and, you know, we got to be careful we're walking downtown. People are going to walk out in front of Marty buses tomorrow. We don't want that to happen after watching this, watching the team lose the way they lost today. Well, I, I keep saying this. I mean, we scored 39 points on the Cowboy defense. So the offense, yeah. I mean, I, I'm no, I have no problem with the offense with that. 
I'm just having problems with the fact that we score 39 points, we score 25 points, and yet the defense keeps giving up 38-40. So at that, at, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's the defense keeps not living up to their end. And Dan Quinn came into Atlanta as some kind, as a defensive guru, as a defensive whiz with his work at Seattle. So if he's coming in as a defense, I'm I want to see a better defense. Absolutely, I agree with that. I agree with that. And the, the secondary needs work. You got an awful lot of youth back there, and uh, we know that. We, that's what we drafted our first round pick. We kind of threw him into the fire last week, and you know maybe a guy like him, you know, yeah, he's going to go out and work hard. You know, AJ is just playing hard. He's been drafted by his hometown team, and he's going to give his best. But even at his best, you know, he's going to have some some uh, some a tough time. He's learning the game at a different level, and he didn't have preseason games to do it or scrimmages, uh, and he's thrown out there against two of the top quarterbacks in the league to start right away. Uh, and, 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 you know, and it gets no easier from here. So that, that's the whole thing, getting, you know, some, some burns out there. Uh, Oliver on the other side, he's trying to, to do some things. And, and so that's, you know, it, it's tough. You got a lot of, you, you, you shipped away a lot of your experience at that position. And uh, you hope that these new faces will grow up and mature quickly. And, uh, you know, just got to be doing it against a very difficult schedule this year. Mm-hmm. Talking with Sam Crenshaw. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, do you got something for him about the Falcons? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, we're being, we're being, we're being too nice. Go ahead, Leon. We're being too nice here. Yo, go ahead, on, Leon. Come on, come on. Come on. I, I, wanted, I wanted to go first because I wanted to – there's no league Daniel in here. Okay. <laughs> okay. As a fan base, I'm saying that, you know, as far as – between all of us, I think, you know, I've known Daniel. Daniel's a, a Stockholm fan. is like I'm a Charter fan. As a fan, and I believe you represent a strong portion of the fan base. You guys want your are, are you demanding a pound of flesh immediately or are you going to sit back and relax and give it time and maybe wait till week 10 or so? Because you guys have Chicago. Well, you, you guys have Chicago coming next week. Right, and we're starting the NFC North section of the schedule. So we got Chicago, Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit, all I, I believe all in a row. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're all in a row. We, yeah. we got the Panthers in between them. We got Bears, oh. Packers, Panthers, okay. and Vikings. And oh, that's right. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct, Sam. That's correct. Yeah, because with this game, it's like, okay, the Falcons took a bad loss, but it was maybe to a good team. Maybe. No, it wasn't. Um, but, no, no, I, no it I, wasn't. Don't, I don't agree no, with that. No, it wasn't. They, they're overrated. They, we let them off the hook today. We let them off the hook today. They're overrated. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I would agree with that. But that Chicago, the Chicago game is a definite must-win game. That that's one of. I, I feel that if the Falcons lose against Chicago, the fan base, the the the, the mouths will be foaming, and I believe um, Dan Quinn's job will be in jeopardy. Strong jeopardy too. Remember now, that's the two and zero Chicago Bears. Right. Although they they beaten some a couple of bottom feeders, but they're yes. they're the two and zero Chicago Bears. Yeah, but two and zero into a two and zero team to transform 
the other team into an 0-3 team, uh, this is the NFL. Everybody's good. Uh, this is supposed to be. So, I don't know. I mean, have you seen the Giants? And they and they just lost Saquon Barkley. For their, yeah, you know, Saquon. it might be a torn ACL. They, yeah, they're afraid it's a torn ACL for him. So the, yeah, you just please destroy my point, John. Thank you. You're All welcome. The Bears, the Bears, the Bears uh, you know, they got this question at quarterback. And, you know, everybody's looking at Trubisky with a with a skunk eye, but he's managed to mm-hmm. survive and he's managed to get him off to a 2 0 start. Talk about a fan base. Right. Those guys up there, not, they're not in love with him at all. Well, with Trubisky, uh, right. with Trubisky, they realized they could have had Deshaun Watson. And I think that's a lot of it. They, they're these quality quarterbacks who came in the draft after Trubisky who are just burning up the league, like Deshaun down in Houston, and they're mad that they didn't get Deshaun Watson. I think that I think that's part of it. So, in essence, Trubisky can do no, can't do anything right in their eyes short of leading them to a Super Bowl, and even then they're going to be like, boy, we would have had three if we had Deshaun Watson. I think I, so. I think that might be part of that might that might be part of why the fan base doesn't like Trubisky. I think that, and I, I, like I said, I think that's part of it. So, all right, is it my turn? It is your turn. It Daniel. is my turn. Go for Come it, on, Daniel. It is in my. Turn. All right, because I've been pacing my room mm-hmm. for the last three hours mm-hmm. after this whole debacle has happened. And there's honestly five people that I can think of in the Falcons organization that should still have their job Monday morning. Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter called a hell of a game. Let's just call it what it is. He called a great game. He gutted that defense, that Dallas defense. Threw them off completely. Matt Ryan, he threw for four touchdowns and put up 39 points. Calvin Ridley, who continues to be, who just continues to improve year in and year out, two touchdowns again today. Mm-hmm. And the other two guys is Dave Archer and Wes Durham because they do a great job calling the doggo game. Listen, you don't blow a 20-point lead. This was, the, this was the second worst loss I've ever seen the Falcons have. Nothing tops 28 to 3 on my birthday. No, no. Nothing. Nothing does. Nothing tops that. <clears throat> but this was second. And it was the way they lost. How dare you not pick that damn ball up? <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't I mean, pick it up. The Just you fall doing? on it. Just fall fall on it. Kick it out of bounds. Just keep Everybody it out of bounds. Everybody but the some Cowboys. five people. Oh, wait, excuse me. Six. Because Sam Crenshaw works for them sometimes. Six. That's it. That's it. Okay, that's it. Everybody else, everybody else can go. Everybody else can go. Dan Quinn can go. But the first man they need to get rid of is that special teams coordinator. Yes. Because he had to be the one to tell them, don't pick that ball up, wait 10 yards. Raheem Morris, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing on defense? He took on the soul last week. Yeah. You know, what are we doing with that defense? Yeah. What are we doing on defense? And on media day, he came out and fell on the sword and said it was on me. You know, that's exactly what he said uh, to the media last week. 
And uh, I wonder what he will say this week, or if he will even come up to speak this week. Uh, Sam, I, I, Sam, I don't know what he could say. I don't know what he could say. I, I really don't know. That was an embarrassing loss today. Well, That was embarrassing. And I know it's week two. I know it's week two. But losses like that can affect your whole season. Mm-hmm. It can either turn things around, or it can make you go to 3-13. and 13. And two stats that happened today. First time ever. Do y'all realize this? First time ever that Matt Ryan has started the season 0-2. Yes. First time ever. Mm-hmm. We have never started the season 0-2 under Matt Ryan. Plus, here's another stat for you. Dak Prescott is the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 400 yards and run for three touchdowns. Wow. Wow. Not throw for three touchdowns, run for three scores. Run. Mm-hmm. Run. Right. Yeah. 39-24 with about six minutes to go, and you can't finish it off. This is exactly why we're the laughing stock of the NFL. And they called the Dallas Cowboys an accident waiting to happen. Ain't that what Stephen A. Smith said? No, the Atlanta Falcons are the accident that does happen. That's what that is. That's how I feel about them today. I shudder to they need to get this together. I shudder to think what he's going to do with that Falcons jersey this week that they sent him. Oh, he's going to burn it. He's going to burn it. They sent him a jersey this week, a Falcons jersey, because he's like, you know, he hates the Cowboys. So yeah, bad. I saw it. Yeah, he wore it on air. He, I think it was yeah. a Friday. He wore it. He's going to have a headache. He's going to have a headache tomorrow. Oh, it's not going to be a good day for him tomorrow. Daniel, Boy, it's, oh, man. Daniel, it's in, not going to be a good day for him. Daniel, in, oh, God. In, in your analysis, you neglected Hayden Hurst, who had a great game. Uh, five catches, seventy yards, and a touchdown. I, yeah. Okay. He just he can keep his job. Yes. He can keep his job. Right. I th- yeah. Who else? None of the Tower Boys or the Water Boys need to keep their jobs because obviously they did something wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, a good I, I don't know. A little kind had a good day today too. Uh, he was up for this game. He and he and uh, yeah, a kind. He, he, yeah, he he did pretty he did pretty good today. You, you know, Deion Jones was all over the place as well. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's just, I, I just don't get it. I, I just don't get it with this team. Dallas, we let Dallas off the hook today. Oh, yes. No. We handed them that. We handed them a gift, and it could eventually cost us. Listen, you can say what you want about the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, they have the speed, they have the athleticism, they have this and they have that. We stopped Ezekiel Elliott. He was a non-factor in this game. Prescott got his, we, you know, but he was mostly getting his when they were running the no-huddle offense. And sometimes you can throw a defense off when you're doing that. But my goodness, that was just mind-boggling, man. It, it was. It was heartbreaking. And everybody in the city of Atlanta, like you said, Sam, you show up downtown tomorrow talking that mess about what happened, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it if you're not a Falcon fan, okay? Just don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gonna be a, uh, a, a tough week, and I mean that's the thing. It, a lot of a lot of people were down after last week against Seattle and what they saw. Uh, they have the team get off to the start they got off to today. Um, just, you know, to me, it was a different week, and you and people would say, okay, remember there is something to this game this early in the season and the things the team didn't get to do. Maybe we should give the team the first quarter of the season, the first four games 
14 really establishes its, its identity. Um, and so you think about the way the schedule is. This team should be one and one right now with the Chicago Bears coming in here. And a segment of their schedule that they should do reasonably well with, considering they got the Panthers a couple of games, they got the Lions thrown in there. Sure, they got the Packers and Vikings in there too, but this should be a segment of the schedule that they should be able to do well with if they had gotten the win today. Right. You know, now it brings a whole different type of pressure on this team going into the Chicago game when they should have been going to that game looking to go two and one uh, before they before they face Green Bay. And the Vikings. And you know what, Sam? If you if you, if you look at and Aaron Rodgers is playing like his career depends on it these days. Well, he does. Well, it does. Yeah, he, yeah I, I don't even. Yeah, I don't even count Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Yeah, because he's playing out of his mind. But you know what, guys? What we what we need to think about here? Minnesota's zero and two. I was just about to and, mention and that. And their offense, yeah, and and their offense just does not look good. And defensively, they look a little lagadacious too. Uh, Detroit, you know, they're still an anomaly. But you know, like you said, Sam, Chicago. Remember, Chicago still has that defense. They still got Khalil Mack on that line. And Mitch Trubisky seems like he's playing for something. And Aaron Rodgers is, okay, you, you want to draft Jordan Love 21st overall in the first round? Okay. All right. Message sent. Let me show you. Message received. Yes. <laughs> Message received. Yeah. Message yeah. received. Okay. Right. And Minnesota gets uh, Tennessee next week. So they could be looking at – they could – very well be looking at 0-3, although I'm not sure where, where they play that game. I, I'm not sure if it's up in Minnesota or if it's probably is up in Minnesota because I think they were in Indianapolis this this Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, you'll look at the Falcons. I think uh, anger is probably, and a little bit of resignation is probably the uh, emotions we're most experiencing. But the really, the really thing that for the Falcons is this could be the third straight year where we're looking at a two and six, one and seven at the halfway point, unless they turn things around in a hurry, unless that defense starts playing well. Uh, again, can't argue, can't argue with the offense. I'm not arguing with the offense, but like I said, maybe ten minutes ago, Dan Quinn came in as a defensive man, and his defense just isn't holding its own. And that's the thing. You think about this defense and some of the players that were out with Tech McKinley goes out with a groin injury in this game. Already was playing without uh, Ricardo Allen in this game today. So you've you got some, some some injuries there. And that's the thing you don't want to start stacking up on the offensive line. But uh, Caleb McGarry goes out with a knee injury today. So, you know, and you were just trying to get he and Chris Lindstrom working together a few games, um, you know, and get some, you know, some cohesiveness between those two on that side of the line. Uh, so some things like that start popping up now. In addition to uh, losing some games, losing a game that you should should have won, uh, now you got some people who question marks for their availability. You know, going forward. Now look at the offensive line because I always go back, and, and it, that's the thing that's hard to do. The Super Bowl year, uh, the team went out there. That old line started each and every game that year, mm-hmm. and the, the further we get away from that season, the more and more you. You, you, you appreciate that fact because not everybody gets to do that. And, um, and here we are now two two weeks in, and last year Lindstrom went down early, and here we are with McGarry down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we, we're watching see, you know, how long he may be down. You know, if he misses next week's game, but that's how long it may be. But, you know, those are things you don't want to start happening with this team. Julio Jones, you don't know if he's going to be 
slowed down because that hamstring is going to continue to to bother him and limit his availability or limit his uh, playmaking ability. That's the other thing you watch for, too. All right, uh, Sam, uh, I appreciate your insight as always. Uh, Maybe we took this a little bit longer than I wanted, but I just want to get your insights on Georgia State and the Falcons. We'll check in with you uh, in a couple weeks. Hopefully the Panthers can get things turned around next week against Charlotte, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks uh, when the Sun Belt schedule really gets going. I appreciate you calling in as always. Yes, always. Sam, thanks, man. Thanks. Let me hang out with you, all right? No problem, Sam. Always a pleasure talking to you. That was Sam. Stay stay safe. Keep your hands washed. We will, Sam. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Sam Crenshaw, uh, again, from uh, a lot of other, a lot of places. And here on ninety, here on uh, the last three guys do a podcast. John Morgo, Daniel Bolton, and Leon Brown. Let's get to Leon because I really want to get his impression on this. The Chargers and the Chiefs—they're tied at seventeen. But Leon, the big story: Justin Herbert is your starter. Tyrod Taylor hurt, and Herbert holding his own in this one. I mean, what is your impression on the rookie from Oregon? Um, well, yeah, Tyrod Taylor with a chest injury. But he was he, he came out with the team, but he was ruled not to return after the first half. But I am very impressed with our rookie. If he can pull off his victory, we have a we have a quarterback controversy on our hands, everybody. Yep. I mean, this right here would be maybe one of the largest victories, even though it's just a it's a it's a regular season game. But this victory, if the Chargers can hold on will be the biggest victory that we've had in two years. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, so, would, you know, I would agree I, with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely I'm impressed with what I'm seeing. I mean, I like 6'5", 220. I like that. You know, um, I just want to, you know, I, I just want to see my team win. You know, I'm not really too much into the cosmetics of it. I just want to see a W at the end of it. You know, the, um, as, as, a, as someone who represents as a lifelong Charter fan, I believe my, my, my opinion speaks for a lot of people that we are starving for progress. You know, we're like, I don't like to compare these two, but the Chargers are likened to a certain degree to a Los Angeles Clippers. Except for we actually been to the Super Bowl and we made it past the second round. But at the same time, as of recent, we haven't gotten much accomplished. So, you know, I just want to see accomplishment. I want to see progress. And I want to see just forward thinking in our team. And a win against the chefs, and I say it right, the chefs will be a great start in the right direction. Well, and two and zero will look beautiful, even though it'll be an ugly two and zero because that that, because that game that we won last we won yesterday. I mean, last week was as ugly as it comes, but it was a W. Well, I'm looking over uh, Justin Herbert's stats, and he just completed a 19-yard pass to Henry where he had to duck under a blitzing Kansas City lineman and still complete that pass. He's got almost, and he should be—he should break this mark. He's got almost 300 yards passing. He's at 285 right now. I think it's a lock he'll get to 300. He's already gotten a touchdown, has thrown a pick, so but still 300 yards passing in your opener, your debut against the Chiefs. 
this man looks pretty good. This man looks pretty good. And if I'm Tyrod Taylor, I think I've been Wally Pipped. Yeah, you know, it looked like it, it, it's going to happen again to Tyrod. You know, he was um, he was kind of, and I believe that you know, do I like Justin Herbert? I do. Do I like the job that he's performing for my team? I do. But from also from a fan's point of view, I think it's real dirty on how they did Tyrod Taylor. They did him like this in Cleveland, which they put him. He he, he took. This man in 2017, I believe, or um, was it 2017, took the Bills to the playoffs for the first time since Jim Kelly did it. I'm not being funny. Mm -hmm. And then his reward was he was traded to the to Cleveland Browns, which he was seemingly given a great offense around him. But as soon as he hurt himself, you know, or, or before before that, they drafted Baker Mayfield the first round, first pick. So they, he knew his job was in jeopardy immediately. And it seems that they did it to him again with the Chargers. They put Tyron Ted as a starter, let him a starter, after Phil Rivers leaves. And then they draft Justin Herbert number six. So this right here was in I, I, I called this, I, I called it. Um, was this over um, during during quarantine? Uh -huh. Well, after they had the NFL, when they had the NFL draft, I like the same thing in Indianapolis when Jacoby Brissett was playing. They shift Phil Rivers, who after throwing twenty ints the, the the previous year, they pay him twenty five million to start over Jacoby Brissett. So it doesn't really matter what type of city Jacoby Brissett was going to have. They were going to start Phil Rivers. They were going to have him as return of the quarterback. And it seems to me that they're doing the same thing in Tyrod Taylor, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Now, even though hopefully this Justin Herbert start translates into a victory for the Chargers today, but at the same time, it does raise some eyebrows. It just does. But at the end of the day, we have Justin throwing over 300 yards. He's completely carving up the defending champ's defense, which I do appreciate. I like seeing good things from, from Mike Williams. I like seeing good things from Case Keenum. And I like what and and I like what our running back is doing. And it ensures that our head coach's job stays safe. And my team will start will hopefully in a very strong AFC West conference will start the season two and oh, which I am very proud of these young men for doing. Well, they're now faced with fourth. Well, there's a flag. Uh, they've in incomplete pass across the middle to about the 20, but a flag has thrown. Might be pass interference. That's what a no. It's a yeah. It's against Kansas City for uh, for personal foul, roughing the passer. So they, they were facing a third and eight. Now uh, they got a first down, and some more yardage. So a big break for the Chargers that they got this roughing the passer penalty, and that's ah oh boy. That's close. That's close. So, so that's good for the good for the Chargers that this drive is continuing, and that's going to put the ball inside yeah. the red zone at the 16. So, so this drive yeah, is continuing. Yeah, so, we have to jump on the Chiefs, and as we know, the that's Chiefs offense. Go ahead. That was a questionable call. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. But 
Yeah, it was a bit of a questionable call. Go ahead, though, Leon. Yeah, the Chiefs offense, nothing but a ticking time bomb is waiting to explode. Right. We got mm-hmm. to jump on them. We got to jump on them. I'm, I'm upset that that, set, that, that 17 to 6 um, lead just evaporated. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about that. Well, as you said, ticking time bomb, you're not going to keep Patrick Mahomes down for long. That is definitely for sure. And now the Chiefs have uh, – the Chargers have moved the ball to looks like the two. So they're definitely getting a, getting a field goal out of this, but hopefully they can get a, a touchdown and make that stand, and it'll be up to Patrick Mahomes to lead them in this one. Guys, um, we're run, we're getting a little close on time. We've got about maybe 10, 15 minutes more. I'm going to throw off a list of the 0-2 teams right now in the NFL – you guys tell me who should be, who is the team that should be most going in the Trevor Lawrence tanks tank stakes? Uh, Carolina Panthers, Falcons, Vikings, Lions, Eagles, Giants, Bengals, Broncos, Jets, and Dolphins. Which one of those teams should be most tanking for Trevor Lawrence? Oh, I, mean, I, I would be. Go ahead, man. Denver. Yeah, that's what Denver. I was going to say. I would say Denver too. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I'm selfish because I want them here, but it would be Denver. Damn, damn, Daniel! You you are really you are really show you are really running the bus over Matt Ryan, aren't you? For saying that. Oh, man. Not really. Not really. I mean, I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a guy that you know. I think Matt Ryan is a superb quarterback. But man, I mean, we have to, like I said before on uh, uh, several podcasts ago. Sometimes you have to look to the future. Now, if you think that Trevor Lawrence, which I think he is, if you think he's better to jump in there and start now, the next time, but I don't think he. I, I think it's a it's a team. If Drew Lock doesn't show anything this year for the Denver Broncos then you definitely have to go with the Denver Broncos with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, John Elway thinks he's the guy. Right. But, you know, that's yet to be seen. And I think everybody else you just rattled off, uh, I, I don't know if the verdict's still out on Kirk Cousins. That offense is struggling a bit. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is still young. Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe, uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Gonna be, Joe Burrow. He's going to be the guy. He's, the, he's him- the dead last person on that list. Yeah. Yeah. You got to give him time. Dolphins have Tua. You're um, not going to go there. Jets, they're still not going to go there. Their Jets are still in on Sam Darnold. Uh, but if the right. Jets, but if the Jets do get that, I think the fan base is going to demand that they get Trevor Lawrence, if only because yeah, I would. They, I would put them at a close second. I, I I would put them at a close second. Right. But when I look at the Jets, I look at them defensively without Jamal Adams. I don't think that I think they're going to struggle mightily this year. Um. But I mean, if I being unselfish, I mean, because you just can't pass up on a pick like Trevor Lawrence, right? right. I don't think if you're any team, you want to pick tre- pick up on a- nothing against Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. but you you really don't want to pick up on some. I mean, you can do what you did to Aaron Rodgers, right? Develop him for two or three, two years, maybe three years, let him get acclimated in the system, and bam, you plug him in there. But if it's a right now, if it's a right now situation, because you can do it either way with Trevor. If it's a right now situation, it would I, I would choose either Denver or the Jets because I think that they're having probably the most uh, problems 
uh, when you uh, look at the quarterback situation. And Sam Donald, yeah, you're right, John. That fan base will probably don't want to see him uh, under center anymore right now. So, you know, it would be on my top of my list, it would be Denver. But, you know, considering the fact that we still have to give Drew Locke a chance, yeah. but Denver, then the Jets. Mm-hmm. But if I was being selfish, he can come here. <laughs> he can come here. He can come here. That would really enter. Yeah, that would be, that would energize the fan base. You know, with Clemson only two yeah. hours away, definitely would. And there are a lot of Clemson fans here in Metro Atlanta. Chargers just made a field goal. They were unable to convert, having it inside the five, but they do have points. However, you're giving Patrick Mahomes the ball with 2.30 left and knowing that you need a touchdown to win. So the Bolts' defense has to really step up. We're uh, kind of coming into the last home stretch here for this edition for the last few guys to do a podcast. Got about eight more minutes, seven more minutes. Leon, um, we got to talk some NBA. Uh, your Lakers, 1-0 oh, yeah. oh over the Nuggets. What did you see in that game one? I think – I think it's a good sign for the Lakers that they actually won game one. They didn't win game one in either of the two previous rounds. So maybe LeBron has got his team saying, look, we can't mess around at this point. We got to take care of business. Well, you know, you got to look at what did the Lakers have for dinner that, that night? Nuggets. Yep, they had chicken nuggets. They had nuggets. nuggets. Mm hmm. And they're going to have nuggets. They're yep. going to have nuggets for yep. the rest of the way. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. You have, first of all, you have LeBron James and AD are the first duo to average 25 and 10 in almost 50 years. Peace. They're doing whatever they want to do out there during the playoff. Now, I like Jokic. I think Jokic is probably. If he's not the best big man in the league, he's definitely top three behind, alongside, Joel Embiid and Giannis. Uh-huh. I think he's definitely right, right there. I mean, he made the Clippers look foolish. But unfortunately for Jokic, the Lakers have a tandem. When I say a tandem, we have big men of our own that we can throw at them. For example, Dwight Howard is picked through. We have Javel McGee and we have Anthony Davis. And we can shuffle the line of all kinds of different ways to just abuse them. And that's what I like to see with the Lakers. Like, Lakers in five. I just may give the Nuggets one game. Right. But the Lakers will win that series. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a sweep, but I'll take a backdoor sweep, a gentleman's sweep. Right. I like that. Um, yeah, I think I think I think that yeah. I, I think that um, you have to. We we have to get credit for credit due to Denver. One last interjection, Daniel. And you haven't uh-huh. pissed off LeBron right now. You haven't pissed off LeBron, who was snubbed yeah. during the MVP race. So you have someone who does not have agent approved looking to prove something. Well, it wasn't the fact that he was snug, Leon. It was the fact of the voting. Like, Giannis had 86% of the first-place votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 86 first-place votes to LeBron's 15, I think, or 14 or something like that. 
And and that's what got him. Like he thought that the MVP voters should have been a little bit close. I think that he was upset about the voting, which rightfully so, because listen, Giannis was the best. He was the most outstanding player. But when we talk about most valuable, nah, that was LeBron. That was LeBron easily. He took that team to so many different heights, man. And playing at the at the rate that he's playing at, age thirty five. You have to give him credit where credit is due, and I get to them sorry Clippers in the mix. But you, but go ahead, go ahead, Leon. Oh yeah, you, you, you. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get on him too. I'm gonna get on him too. Because listen, like I said, not taking nothing away from Denver. Okay, Denver has done this twice. The first team in, in NBA history to come back from three-one deficit and twice in the same playoff. Okay, congratulations to them. But they are highly mismatched against the Lakers team, who now has a, I mean, the NBA championship is like right there in their grass. They just have to keep playing the way that they play, right? The right. Clippers would have been their, their stopping point. The Clippers would have been their stopping point. But guess what? The Clippers clipped again. The Clippers gone Clipper, right? Mm-hmm. They just can't get to the Western Conference Finals. This team has never done it in the 49 years that they've existed, that they've played in the NBA. They have never gotten to a conference final. And when you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and you've got two men that are six men of the year candidates, and you can't get past Denver, you can't win one of those three games, mm-hmm. there's a problem. There's a problem. Paul George, you need to step it up. And listen, there are not enough fingers in the world to, to point the blame at. But if you only had two fingers in the world, there's two guys you easily put the blame at. Doc Rivers and Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard was the best player on that team, and he did, and he did not show up. He did not show up for Game 7. Doc Rivers, you can't... What's up with, these, what's up with everybody blowing leads? <laughs> Yeah, I turned that game on in the second quarter, and the Clippers had a 16-point lead. So I was like, okay, this this is this is good for them. I turned back to Monday Night Football. You know, yeah. that's, that's what I did. That's what I did. I think a lot of people did that. And maybe the Clippers did that. Just they blew a lead, John. John, it wasn't just they blew a lead. They blew a 16-point lead and lost by 15 points. Right. A 30-point turnaround. Yeah. It was like I told y'all. Go ahead. Go ahead, Leon. Yeah, you can't just blow a double-digit lead and lose by double digits in the same game. I mean, this is the NBA. So, I think I I, I blame Doc Rivers for even having Paul George out there. I blame him for that. I mean, when you have a man that has a wide-open three-pointer in the corner – He's in the NBA, and he shoots and cranks off the side of the backboard in a deciding game seven. Sometimes, Doc Rivers, you got to pull the plug when you got to pull the plug. I know, I, I, know, I know it sounds messed up to, to get on Paul George like that, but if I'm the Clippers, I'm on the phone with the Hawks. And I believe that a trade for Cam Reddish – and uh, no, no. If I'm not, if I'm the host, I don't give up that much. I give up three second round draft picks and cash considerations for Paul George to replace Vince Carter <laughs> as a mentoring role on the Hawks. 
if Paul George John would be to do, would be to tell the Hawks what not to do. Right. If you don't want to be like me and not win a playoff series, well, Paul George has now advanced first, past the first round in six years. Six years. So it's safe to say that Paul George is, I mean, would you call Paul George an NBA superstar at this point? No. no. He's a star. He's a star. He ain't no superstar, though. Because, see, superstars don't play like that. No, they don't. No. They don't play like that. Yeah, yeah. Paul George made like a CJ McCullough, you know, um, Chris Middleton, um, you know, um, John Collins. You know, Paul George is tradable. Paul George is tradable. Well, well, would, you, would you place Russell Westbrook above to Paul George? Because I mean, talk about players who stock is falling. Mm, they about even. They about they even. About even. I'm, I'm, yeah, they, to me, they are. To me, they're about even. But the, here's where Russell Westbrook gets away with it. He's with James Harden, so he's not really, you know, James Harden. Is, when you look at James Harden and Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, he could bounce off of Paul George and Paul George and bounce off of Kawhi Leonard. If you know what I mean. With James Harden, he's the primary ball. Uh, he's the primary ball holder. Okay, he's Mr. ISO all day long, and he's going to take that shot 100 percent of the time. Kawhi Leonard's skill set is not for him to sometimes take that last shot. He can he can bounce that off the Paul George, and George can take that last shot, and he's capable of knocking that down. We've seen it in Indiana, so he's he's capable of doing it, but. When you look at those two pairs, it, it's just two different things. Because we've already seen what Russell Westbrook can do when he has a team of his own. He can't move past the first round. Right. So he has to team up with another superstar. But it seems to me Paul George needs two or three more. Because he he is showing up. He's just just not there. He's just not there at all. I mean, who, who named him playoff Pete? Who named him that? Probably his agent. Hey. My God, you mean pandemic P. You know, um, I, I heard rumblings though. I've heard this, this, this for real. I've heard rumbling that the Lakers are potentially um, in the running for West Russell. That um, the Lakers are willing to offer a Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell Pope in exchange for Russell Russell. I may. I, I think it might be. I think it might be best to ask you. How do you feel about that? I've heard Chris Paul's name come up in that too. I've heard Chris Paul's name come up out of there too. But I think Chris Paul would be a better fit for the Lakers than I do Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Yeah, but what we, we, we do with Rondo? I mean, Rondo is performing, and unless those two have a sit down with one another. And worked out, and because and, these guys are like decades. Well, I mean, Rondo's sitting Chris Paul face three years ago, <laughs> and punched right. him in the face. You know, they, they had to work out. I mean, stranger things have happened. Yeah, stranger things have happened. That's true. But you know, we, I, I think I, I think that Chris Paul is much more needed in Milwaukee. Yeah. No, you're right. 
You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely... They uh, keep Giannis. If they keep Giannis. They have to keep Giannis, though. Yeah, so if you want to keep Giannis, you have to replace Eric Bledsoe, unfortunately. And I think it's the time to do it because they paid Eric Bledsoe um, $70 million. And that contract is kind of lined up with Chris Carl's max contract that he received a couple years ago. Right. Yes. You know, Chris Carl's contract is pretty heavy. And that's the problem I think that would occur with the Lakers to a certain degree, even though Russell Westbrook's contract is also pretty heavy. But, oh, Leon, I don't mean to—I don't mean to interrupt you, Leon, but you would be highly upset right now if you saw what just happened. Uh, Pat Mahomes on third and twenty converted a, a twenty-two yard run, setting them up in field goal range. But they don't need a field goal; they need a field goal to tie. They're, they, Patrick Mahomes is not tie. Patrick Mahomes is not thinking field goal at this point. He's thinking six. Nope. He's thinking six. Yeah. Yeah, as a as a Charger fan, I'd be highly upset, but I wouldn't be highly surprised. Right. If we move it, I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, you know, I'm kind of, kind of where you are as a Falcons fan. Like I'm kind of, I've become, you know, under Philip Rivers, you 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 become jaded to disappointment. Mm-hmm. So you know, with them not converting, um, that. Inside the ten, that 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 red zone offense on the last drive into seven points and taking three points against a time bomb of a Chiefs offense in the fourth quarter, I won't be surprised what happens. But at the same time, I won't be surprised if we win. Well, the Chiefs got to stop them. Chiefs got called for a holding penalty. That's backing it up a little bit more. So it's twenty seconds left on the clock. Andy Reid has defogger technology in his on his face shield so that he's avoiding what happened to him last Thursday with Houston. It's second and 13 now from about the 27 with 20 seconds to go. And Mahomes probably is going to try to throw this one. He is going to throw it. It's complete at the 14. That's going to be a first down. And he's going to call timeout. Ten seconds remaining on the clock. So we'll see if he takes one shot at the end zone. He's got one timeout left. He's probably going to take one shot in, see if it works. If it doesn't, he'll kick the field goal. That's probably how that's how that all is going to work. Quickie, uh, quickly, very quickly, because we're running out of time here, guys. Uh, Miami 2-1 over Boston in the east. Do you see my – I know you guys said Miami, and it's really looking like it's going to be Miami. Yeah, All right. Well, that's going to do it for this weekend's edition of The Last Three Guys Do a Podcast. Daniel Bolton, Leon Brown, I'm John Morgo. Thanks for Sam Crenshaw for joining us. Uh, again, we are growing here. Um, we, we are on SoundCloud. We were also, we're also now on Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. We are now on Overcast, that app, so you can catch us on the Overcast app. Appreciate them for bringing us along. Again, new episodes drop every Tuesday 
and we tape every Sunday here on Facebook Live. So what we're going to do now is uh, take a break. We're going to watch some excellent Monday night, uh, Saturday, Sunday night football between the Patriots and the Seahawks as Mahomes gets chased out of bounds at the 12 with three seconds remaining. They're probably just going to go ahead and kick that field goal, bring us to overtime. So we're going to watch that overtime. Very, very uh, interesting there from the new SoFi Stadium in Southern California. Appreciate it, you guys. Great conversation as always. We'll see you in seven days. This has been The Last Three Guys to Do a Podcast.